Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom of Friends podcast. Thank Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This is a podcast where you get to learn more about your friends and community, their wisdom, their trials and tribulations, timeless insights and their secrets. Now, let's get into the show. Please welcome your host, Cal Aras. Hello, folks. Uh, Welcome to Season 2 of uh, Wisdom of Friends show. I'm really excited and delighted to be introducing you to a dear friend of mine. His name is Jim Wolf. And I really respect Jim because he has an amazing knack and ability to look at uh, people's blind spots and come up with distinctions and insights that are so counterintuitive that makes such a big difference. In this episode, we talk about the art of being fearless and the areas and the challenges that stop people from achieving their fullest potential. A little background on Jim. Jim is deeply passionate about sharing the tools, techniques, and mindset shifts that have transformed his life with his clients, and he loves hearing their success stories even more. He doesn't want to motivate you for a few hours a day. He wants your life to be permanently better after you connect with him. As part of that commitment to you, Jim is an author, speaker, and a lifestyle entrepreneur. His best-selling books include Level Up, Seven Keys to Being a Total Badass, and a dating and relationship classic called Attract and Keeper. Jim was born and raised in the United States. However, Colombia, Turkey, Costa Rica, and Thailand remind him of delicious food, welcoming people, rich history, gorgeous water, overnight trains, and lifelong memories. He's obsessed with reading, writing, learning, travel, and personal growth. He doesn't always drink beer, but when he does, he prefers Guinness. And he absolutely loves college football. Beyond his practical experience, working with clients from over 37 countries and 13 plus years of intense study in the fields of personal development and interpersonal relationships, Jim has also earned his MA in Communication and BBA in Business Economics from Boise State University. Friends, this is a fascinating conversation. I hope you enjoy it. So pull up a chair and listen in. And without further ado, let's welcome the one and only Jim Wolf. Hello, uh, Jim. Welcome to the, another episode of uh, Wisdom of Friends show. I'm really excited and delighted that you took some time to be on this call. And let me start off by saying uh, my first impressions of you. It was uh, I heard you for the first time on the KFM and AOC podcast. It was almost a year ago. And I was fascinated by your sharing on that talk show. And then I went ahead mm. and uh, bought your book, uh, uh, it was called The Level Up, uh, and I read that book cover to cover in like over one weekend, and I thought that this man is has definitely navigated the ebb and flow of life and has gathered <laughs> all the insights, and and I should definitely uh, get in touch touch with him, and that's how I reached out to you, and uh, we had a conversation, and then you helped me out with 
one of the challenges that uh, I was uh, having and your uh, coaching in that regard definitely helped me a great deal. And uh, I know when I was doing this uh, Wisdom of Friends show that you were one of the guests that came to mind that I definitely uh, knew having you on the show and and sharing your insights with our audience would uh, be a great benefit to them. So again, thank you for taking the time and welcome to the show. Hey, Kel, it's an honor and a privilege to be with you here today, and it's been excellent getting to know you as well. Great. Uh, so one of the ways, uh, uh, Jim, we start off our show is by asking our guest, uh, what's your favorite quote or philosophy that you live by, and how have you applied it to your life? That's a great question, and I love quotes from people that I admire because you can really apply it to so many things in your own life. And so I have a lot of them, but one that I kind of focused on uh, recently is do the thing you fear the most and the death of fear is certain. And that's by Mark Twain. And so Eleanor Roosevelt had a similar quote about do one thing that scares you every day. And I think that's one of the things that we can really apply in our lives. And one thing that I started to apply a few years ago which is one of the reasons why I'm here on the show with you today. So I've actually made a concerted effort to actively go into my fears. And I'm not talking about fears that protect you like fear of grizzly bears and hot stoves. I'm talking about the tension of potential success. Um, And that's a little bit different than fear, but it feels the same to our body. And so we can kind of train ourselves to recognize when It's just the tension of potential success and go right into that because that tension tells you exactly what you should do. And so one of the things that I did was actively work on facing my own fears and a couple of simple ways that I did this that you can do as well. Uh, Number one, if you just go through your stuff and get rid of things that you haven't used in the last six to 12 months, that actually helps you, that actually conditions you Uh, to go into your fear more because it's really hard for us to get rid of things. We all have a fear of loss and that fear is stronger than the desire for us to gain. And so you can do that just by, and so you can condition yourself just by getting rid of some of your old stuff. I know that might sound like a silly thing, but you can train yourself to go through more of your fears to have more success just by getting rid of old stuff. And then the other thing that I did is my biggest fear used to be bungee jumping. Mm. And I'm still, I'm still afraid of it. I, I don't really like it. And I decided since it was my biggest fear and I, was kind of going this, and I was kind of going through this period where I wanted to face my fears, I decided to do it. And I'll tell you what, when I actually went bungee jumping, it was actually 10 times worse than I imagined when I was afraid of it. Um, I was standing underneath a freeway underpass on kind of this unsafe little catwalk. And not only did I go bungee jumping, I also was the second to last person to go out of nine. And so I had to wait for seven other people to jump before I even got to go. And the whole time before my jump, I was standing on this catwalk and like helping pull the other person back up and stuff like that. So I got to look down at those rocks in that little creek for you know, a couple hours before I even made my jump. So the actual experience was a lot worse than what I imagined. And yet, I'm still really glad that I did that because I showed myself that when I feel afraid and I act anyway, 
nothing bad will happen. I can survive that. And so that was a really kind of powerful thing for my mind. And I never want to go bungee jumping again, but I'm, I'm glad I did it. And then because I have this thing about going into the fears that could lead to more success, I also was able to quit my really safe university job and pursue my own business. And that was an extremely difficult thing for me. And if I hadn't conditioned myself to kind of feel that fear and act anyway, I might not have been able to do that. And I might not have been able to publish my books, etc. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm here with you today. That is so great, Jim. And uh, I could not agree more with you regarding fear. And I think uh, as a human being, it's uh, it's sort of biological. But the question mm-hmm. really is, uh, a lot of us have a different connotation of fear. For example, some have fear of rejection, some have fear of uh, embarrassment and fear of failure. But really, I mean, as you said, the, the key is to like, uh, you know, do the thing that you fear the most and the death of fear is certain. And I remember personally in my life and I did uh, skydiving and did a firewalk mm. uh, ex- exercise in my life. I mean, things that I thought were impossible before that uh, suddenly seemed within grasp that I could go for it. I could go for my dreams. And uh, yes. that's, that's something that I I totally agree that, you know, fear is what stops people from uh, achieving their greatness. And also, have has it been your experience that, you know, we got to constantly look at opportunities to keep pushing ourselves because it's not that you deal with it once and then it's done and uh, done. And, you know, <laughs> it's, you're, you're done with it, so you're no longer going to experience fear. But the key I found is to constantly uh, step outside your comfort zone and stretch yourself because all your dreams lie outside your comfort zone. Is that is that been your experience as well? Absolutely. I think life begins at the end of your comfort zone. I think life is discomfort. Comfort is death. And you know what? We're all going to be permanently comfortable pretty soon. So you might as well live now. And I think like one of the things that helps, I know like a lot of people have had negative or kind of traumatic experiences early on. And so when they feel this tension of potential success, it feels very similar to maybe some of these experiences that they've had before that kind of uh, involved their central nervous system. And so that fear of success or fear of rejection or fear of embarrassment might be actually just the tension of success, but it feels like something negative from the past. And so I think one of the keys to this is to learn how to recognize when it is actually just potential success, like you're going to go play in a big tennis match like Roger Roger Federer just did. And he said that he loved the fact that he still feels nervous for big events like that because because that means that it means something to him. And so is it just that where it's a situation that could lead to something better, like Uh, You want to quit your job and start a business or whatever it is, or is it something that could actually hurt you? And so I think like really spending some time and, and learning how to separate that feeling inside you is really beneficial because it feels very similar, but they're not the same thing. Uh, that's that's so great that you mentioned that. And I remember that interview of Roger Federer, one of my favorite sports icons, and and he talked about, uh, you know, he still gets those butterflies in his stomach and he still has yep. that little bit of nervousness. And for him, what that means is that he still cares about the game that he loves. Right. And uh, 
Uh, that's so great. Now, one question I do have uh, for you regarding fear is now not everybody who's listening to this uh, podcast may have the opportunity to uh, do bungee jumping or skydiving or, <laughs> sure, you know, sure. or do firewalking. What, uh, what, what's been your experience as far as other, other, other methods that they could uh, incorporate into their daily lives that are simple but effective in order to deal with fear? Well, again, one thing is just getting rid of old stuff. So if you have clothes that you haven't worn in six months, donate it. Um, that can really help because, again, our fear of loss is stronger than our desire for gain. So that really helps, and anyone can do that. We always have more that we can give. And when your brain realizes that, this is actually another way to apply the kind of abundance mentality everyone talks about in a really practical way. So it actually trains your mind to feel like you have more abundance in your life as well. So I think that one's really powerful, and it's been powerful for me. Yeah, definitely. And I, I remember that <clears throat> I think it, it was one of your interviews, or I think I must have read it in your book. But I think uh, you had recommended that, you know, one of the ways that you found to be uh, very useful for you personally was like a daily practice of journaling and literally like, you know, helps you rationalize your thoughts and see if it really yeah. If it's something that, you know, is it real or is it, you know, is it just something like a made up fear or having, so, having you know, having a coach or somebody to kind of like bounce your ideas off of, right? Yeah. Here's a really good one. If you are facing something that you feel is kind of a big deal for you and it's something that you feel is important. One thing that you can do if you're afraid to take an action that you really want to do is actually write down the worst case scenario that you can think of. So if you take this action, what is the worst thing that you can think of that can happen and really go into your fear and feel all of it right now and just write, actually write down on paper what that worst case scenario looks like to you. Mm. And the reason why that's so effective is because after you write that down and you process that emotion and you see it, then it becomes less powerful to you because when you read your words back, you're like, oh, that probably won't happen. And then if you want to take it a step further, you can kind of uh, map out more likely scenarios and kind of assign a likelihood to the worst case scenario, the best case scenario, something in the middle. And that gives you kind of a more rational approach and takes that emotion of fear down a couple of notches and that helps you take that action. And then another thing that helps in this situation is actually writing down an action plan if the worst case scenario happens. And that gives you a lot of power because even if the worst possible scenario happens when you take that action, you now have a way to deal with it. And so those are some things that definitely help you take action when you're afraid. Yeah, and that's that's so great. And it's it's always been an ancient practice too. And I remember uh, reading a book on stoicism like a couple of years ago, and that's mm, what yeah, the Stoics yeah. used to do, the negative visualization Yes. Of uh, really going through that experience, and and you know, once you've kind of like dealt with it in your mind, it becomes easier to like actually handle it in reality, if you will. Yep. And no, that's so great. And I think the other uh, way is uh, gratitude, right? I think you talk about it quite a bit, uh, like having a gratitude uh, a practice where you know, when when you're grateful, fear disappears. Correct? Yeah. We you know, actually, it's so interesting because studies have shown that each one of us has basically a set point of happiness that we tend to fall back to throughout our lives. And 
we tend to think that big events like getting a raise or graduating from a university or whatever it is, getting a new relationship, we tend to think that those kind of big life events or even like hitting the lottery jackpot, we tend to think that those things are going to make us happy. But what the, the data shows is that it actually those things don't make us happy. They maybe give us a bump of excitement and joy for a few months. And then after a few months, people go back to their normal levels of happiness. And the same thing is true on the opposite side. Uh, they've shown that people who lose the use of both of their legs in a car accident after the about the same amount of time as those lottery winners, they also go back to their normal level of happiness. And so we have this thing in our mind, this myth that if I get this, then I'll be happy. However, that's not true. But they have found that what can actually increase your long-term levels of happiness, one of those two things that I've seen is what you just talked about, and that's expressing genuine gratitude. So not only does it make you have a more abundance mindset and let you take more action in spite of fear because you realize that you have a foundation to fall back on, it also actually practically increases your long-term level of happiness. And so I think it's really important to express gratitude every day, and writing it down is the best way to do that. This is so great, Jim. I think I think we started off this interview on a really uh, great footing. I think we covered some real gems here that people are going to appreciate. <laughs> and I'm going to aptly name this uh, title of the show as uh, this particular episode as Be- Becoming Fearless. Uh, oh, I like cool. it. <laughs> I like it. So, uh, and I want to get into your coaching practice and how did you get there. But uh, what I'm curious about is uh, about your childhood. So I've been reading your bio and uh, it's uh, fantastic. You got a lot of uh, educational creds and uh, you went to uh, Boise State University. And uh, yep. so my, my question to you is, uh, what did your parents do and how did that shape your life? Yeah, so my father is a financial advisor, and that taught me a lot about uh, valuing financial security, and that uh, any individual person in a Western country can save for their retirement and invest. It's not just for some kind of elite group. And because my dad does that for a living, I know that for sure. And that's a really big benefit to me because I think our society provides a lot of opportunities to uh, do well for yourself if you think that you actually can do it. And so my father's career has shown me that it is possible for me um, as just kind of a regular average American person to make something of my life and of myself. And so that's one thing that I'm really grateful from his career. And then for a long time, my mom actually stayed home with us And one of the things that she really taught me is the value of doing little things to take care of yourself and your surroundings. So like the importance of making your bed every day, for example. And that sounds like a small thing, but, you know, doing a little thing like that that's for yourself that makes your environment better is one small step in the right direction that starts your momentum for the whole day. And I know there's military guys who talk about the importance of making your bed well in the morning. And so... She taught me those kind of things, and now she has a really cool job, but for a long time she stayed home with us, and I feel very fortunate to have had that experience as well. That's so great. I mean, it's a really an awesome value to have because I, I strongly believe that 
you know how we do anything is how we do everything and uh that's that's really uh, such a great reminder so i know that uh you you know you're a remarkable childhood and uh, as far as accomplishing a lot of distinctions and uh, credentials and and then you and I, I want to kind of like talk to you about the point where you decided to change your career track and decide to <laughs> become a coach and uh, you know and really something for the audience uh, Jim is an author a speaker and an entrepreneur and one of the things that he's passionate about is sharing the tools and techniques and uh, mindset shifts that have transformed his life with his clients and and literally what makes him happy is hearing their success stories. So uh, so talk us to uh, walk us through that journey uh, as to how did that process begin? Did you always know that uh, <laughs> you wanted to do this or what were those defining moments for you? It's been a long journey, Cal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Give us the highlights. Well, Give us a little highlight. So. <laughs> so a couple of things. First of all, I've always been pretty good at school, for example, and I was usually pretty good at sports and stuff like that. And so the thing is, we're part of an educational system in our country that trains you to act a certain way and rewards you for that. And I was really good at being good inside that system. And that doesn't necessarily make you live a fulfilled life or make you actually successful in your own way. And so what happened to me is I graduated from university and then a couple of years later, I got everything that I wanted in my life. I had the exact job that I wanted at the time. I was with the exact woman that I wanted to be with at the time. I was making enough money for my city to be happy. Uh, I had everything that I thought would make me happy and I felt completely miserable. And so that really scared me because I was working so hard to kind of quote, get these things into my life so that I could feel good about myself and so that I could be happy. And then when I got those things, I felt horrible. And that was really unsettling for me because it was basically saying that my whole philosophy of life had been wrong since I was young. And that was extremely painful for me that I got to that place and I, I wasn't happy. And because of that pain, I started looking for solutions. And that's kind of how my own personal growth journey started. And that was a long time ago now. I don't even know how many years ago that was. Um, but basically, that's what started this whole journey. And years and years and years, if not over a decade later, now I'm here sharing what I learned with you and your audience. That's so great. And, and you know, one of the challenges that, uh, you know, some of our folks in the audience uh, are still facing is they have a pretty cushy job, if you will. They work for a Fortune 100 company or, you know, yep. and, and they're looking to branch out into a business or a passion or something like that, that they are fascinated and really uh, keen to launch. But then, yeah. uh, you know, they have like this fear of not knowing how to go after it or how to start it or you know, how much time to allocate it. And so was that a challenge that uh, did you uh, kind of like started it on the side or did you just say, okay, this is it, I'm quitting and I'm going to launch into this 
new business with a good plan or did you have a plan or did you just jump yeah into so it? it's kind of, kind of like the golden handcuffs thing where people have a, a steady job and it's safe and it's almost like a, a self-created prison at that point because you don't want to leave that behind and I completely understand that because I was basically in that situation as well so for me it started out just as my own personal growth journey so I was still doing this job that I really enjoyed and at the same time I again I didn't feel good and so I was just working on myself and working on myself and working on myself. And I actually consciously gave myself a five-year window to just work on myself and to feel better about myself from the inside out. So I did that first. I did five years of just figuring my stuff out. So that's what I did first. And then I actually moved up in my career. I moved to a new position. I was making more money. I had a great, I had great benefits. Uh, all the stuff. And so it actually became harder for me to branch out on my own and start a business because I was in an even better position than I was before. So I really had to have a plan. And I found a couple of people that I look up to in the personal growth industry. And I kind of saw how they were doing their business. And I went and learned from them how they were doing their business. And when I decided that I could do it, that's when I made the decision to leave my job and pursue that full time. And for me, I pretty much had to do it full time or it probably wouldn't have happened because I had to write my whole book and then publish it and then market it and do all that stuff. And so I wanted to put all my energy into it. So that's how I did it. However, I actually don't recommend that. If I had to go back and do it again, I would do my own personal business as a side hustle until I was making good income or till at least I had a real indication that the market would pay for what I have to offer before I left all that stuff behind. Because it's really scary and maybe not that good of idea and maybe not that good of an idea to leave your health insurance behind and start a business. Leave your income behind. It's really, really hard to do. So it's a lot safer if you test your ideas out in the market first. And then when you get a little bit of traction, that's when you can kind of let go and pursue it full time. And just the last thing I want to say about that is when I was leaving my really safe job at a really good organization, one of the highest level people in that organization of like 2,500 employees wears a nice suit, high level position, huge salary, great benefits. He came up to me and said, you know what? I always wanted to do what you're doing, but I never had the balls. And for that kind of a person who's so successful to say that to me at that level, just kind of reaffirm my decision to do it. And it made me sad because the top regret of people who are at the end of their lives, who find out that they're going to die, is that they live the way society thought they should instead of the way that they really wanted to. And that's one of the biggest things that motivated me to do it was looking at my 86-year-old self and saying, what would he think about this? And the fear of that deep regret is actually a stronger motivator than the desire for some unknown success. And so that's what really propelled me into this career. That is uh, such a fantastic uh, distinction right there. I think that's uh, that's a value for money. As You know, like looking back... Uh, 
It's like projecting yourself into the future as an 86-year-old and the fear of regret, essentially, and then comparing it with uh, what you got going on and making that choice. I think that's such a great way to uh, make a decision. And I think, the secondly, I think what you're recommending definitely makes sense because uh, I've worked in the IT industry, and one of the things we do with product marketing or any kind of uh, product launches, uh, you know, we don't roll out all the features all at once. We do uh, MVP, which is the minimal viable product and kind of like get some feedback uh, to see if there is a test market for that product. Uh, exactly. And uh, no, that's, that's such a great insight. Uh, awesome. So a little bit about your childhood there, Jim. Uh, whom did you idolize growing up and who were your mentors? Uh, were there any, anybody that celebrities or any uh, leaders that fascinated you or you wanted to emulate growing up? Yeah, so <laughs> I was really into sports, so mostly they're sports stars. And the two that come to mind are uh, Joe Montana and Michael Jordan, of course. And you can say what you want about Michael Jordan's personal life, but I've never seen someone who was so good at winning and being su successful in the moment. And he will say it himself that he actually failed more than anyone else. And so I think, at least from that perspective, the idea of continuing to take shots until you succeed is really, really beneficial. And then more recently, I had a really amazing university professor who ended up actually becoming my thesis advisor for my master's degree as well. And her name is Dr. Reeder. Uh, she wrote a book called Commit to Win. So that's really cool as well. But she is just, she's got everything going for her. And I really look up to her as someone to emulate because not only is she smart and successful, she also makes a real impact that you can feel. She has fun and she really, really cares about the world and about her students. And her attitude is something I would really love to copy. And then at a, a higher level, now I really, really look up to Benjamin Franklin. I think he's a, such a great character and he worked on himself throughout his life as well. So I've read his biography. I recommend doing that. There's a, a biography by Walter Isaacson about Benjamin Franklin that's great. And so that's someone that I look up to now. Uh, that's awesome. And we'll include uh, those uh, book recommendations in the show notes as well. And by the way, for our audience, uh, Jim's uh, an author of three great books, uh, Level <laughs> Up, Seven Keys to Being a Total Badass, and the third <laughs> one is Attractant Keeper. Uh, they are available on Amazon. Uh, and I highly recommend uh, reading those. Uh, specifically, my, one of my favorites has been the Level Up, and and that's really what made me reach out to Jim in the first place. Uh, great distinctions, a lot of counterintuitive principles that can be game changers uh, for how we live a life. So, uh, thanks uh, for that, Cal. Yeah, uh, my pleasure. So uh, I know that you've traveled quite a bit. Uh, you've been to Colombia, Turkey, Costa Rica, and now you live in Thailand. So my question to you is, uh, out of all these places you have traveled to, are there any particular travel spots that uh, caught your fancy and uh, you value so much? Are you looking forward to traveling again? Or Yeah, there's, there's three. And I, I do love traveling, not only for meeting interesting people and trying new food and seeing new sites, but really for the perspective shifts that you gain by changing your environment. That's, that's one of the things I love the most about traveling is you just see things a different way when you get back. And 
there are three places that really, really resonated with me. And the first one is uh, Cartagena, Colombia. Mm. I have never felt better in my life than when I was in Cartagena. And they have everything there. They have a modern city. They have an old city with old Spanish colonial architecture. They have beautiful beaches. And when I was there, the weather was just the most perfect weather you can imagine. And so I've never felt so good in my life as when I was there. And then I really loved going to Turkey. I don't know if I would go there now necessarily, but there's so much history there. And I love seeing all of those historical things in action because a lot of the major cultures that have existed in the world have either passed through there or existed there. And so Turkey was an amazing place for me in terms of history. And then Thailand is awesome because the people here are fantastic. I've never met a nicer group of people besides maybe Colombians are pretty close, uh, but Thai people are, are just amazing, Cal. So um, I felt good here as well. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, I mean, I love traveling as well. I mean, I just got back from a trip to uh, Europe and it's been one of the yeah. fascinating uh, trips to Spain and it's just an amazing culture and I would uh, highly, highly recommend it. Uh, so having had these uh, wonderful travels in your life and uh, experienced the uh, ebb and flow and so my question to you, Jim, is uh, what's your definition of success and how would you define greatness? <laughs> those, are, those are such tough questions, Cal, because not only are they deep, they also change from time to time. And I think each person should define those things for themselves. But right now, I think one good definition of success is leaving the world better than you found it in some way. I think that's one way to look at it. Another way to look at living in a successful way is on the one hand, expressing genuine gratitude for what you already have. And also at the same time, growing as a person and going after your deep desires. So you can't just appreciate what you already have. You also can't deny your true deep desires. And that's the other side of increasing your long-term happiness. So for me, a successful lifestyle involves expressing gratitude and actually taking action towards the things that you deeply desire in your life. And then I think at the end of the day, one of the other ways you could define success is getting closer to being your real self every day. Um, that's definitely something that I work on constantly is just being more authentic and being more me, I guess. And the more I'm in line with who I really am and what I really value, the better I feel. So that's another thing. And then in terms of greatness, I really think that greatness is using your skills and talents to the absolute maximum possible advantage of uh, helping people. So maximizing your positive impact on the world using everything that you have. That's what I think defines greatness. No, that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's really beautifully shared. So thank you uh, for uh, sharing that. Moving on to our next segment, and these are some of the questions, Jim, that we received from our audiences. And uh, so the first question that I have for you is, and I think we might have covered this a little bit earlier, uh, the question is, what stops people from achieving their fullest potential? Yeah, so we talked about fear. I, I think another huge one, this is so huge, is people's self-image, the kind of person that they think they are. Oh, I'm not the kind of person who can be wealthy. Oh, I'm not the kind of person who can go to college. When I was a, a university admissions rep, 
that's one of the things that we fought against a little bit. There's whole communities and cultures that don't think they're the kind of people that do X thing. And so I think the things that you believe about who you are really can hold you back. So I think it's important to examine that. What are some beliefs that are holding you back from doing the things that you want to do? And you know what? You are the kind of person that can do that thing. If another human being has done it, you can be that kind of person too. All it takes is taking action and then not stopping when you fail the first time or the second time or the third time. Because if you keep taking action and you keep practicing something, eventually you can master anything. And so I think self-image is a really big deal. And I have a really interesting story about this. I was doing a, a project a few years ago called the World Almanac Project where I was interviewing one person from every country in the world just to get kind of a different perspective on different countries. And one of the young women that I interviewed, she was telling me that when she was in high school, because of her background, she didn't think that she was the kind of woman or the kind of girl at that point who could go on to college. It just wasn't for her. And the community around her kind of had the same thoughts. And then she went to a summer camp. And at the summer camp, one of the counselors there basically said, no, no, no. If you want to go to college, you can definitely do it. And there's ways that you can pay for it. And just that one comment from one person changed her mindset. And not only did she end up getting a bachelor's degree, she got two uh, advanced degrees. She got a master's degree and a law degree. And now she's just like this kick-ass lawyer. And so it's a little bit maddening and sad to me because it holds so many people back. But it's also a really huge opportunity for us because it doesn't take a lot to make that little shift and say, oh, maybe I can do it. And the same thing happened to me in my life. That mentor that I was telling you about, Dr. Reader, she saw me selling cell phones in a mall about a year after I graduated from university in a kiosk. And she just said, yeah, I definitely think you could do graduate school. And for her, it was kind of like an offhand comment or whatever in our conversation. But for me, it really flipped that switch in my mind. And a few couple of years later, and now I have a master's degree. And so I think those things that we believe about ourselves that might not even be conscious, the self-image that we have is extremely powerful. And not only can it hold us back, if we actively examine it and change it to serve us better, it can be one of the levers that leads to the most success. And so I think self-image is a really, really huge thing. And if you want to read a good book about self-image, I definitely highly, highly recommend uh, Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Maltz. That is uh, really uh, one, of the, one of my favorite books. I uh, read that like a long time ago, and it still is uh, right on my uh, bookshelf uh, front and center, and I kind of refer to it uh, every time I have an identity crisis, if you will. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but no, I, I totally agree, and I think uh, part of the reason that we all have this uh, self-image issues, if you will, I think it comes from uh, programming, from our childhood, yes. our culture, education, uh, the people that we have, you know, around us at that time. And, you know, our subconscious picks up all this information, even without a yep. conscious mind being active. So we end up with beliefs that are no way related to reality. And as you said, yeah. Yeah. as you said, like that, your professor just making that 
comment about that you could go to grad school and she could see you as uh, being a graduate. You went and did your master's. And that's that's such a great way that, uh, you know, it's an evidence that these kind of things can shift. And uh, because a lot of people that uh, I talk to, it's like, well, that's that's my culture and that's my programming and that's uh, that's how it is. And I don't think it's going to change. But the fact that there are examples of people who have uh, transformed their lives just by shifting their identity. So my question to you is, uh, are there any specific uh, recommendations or techniques that you would suggest uh, that people could adopt in their lives to start beginning to shift some of those negative beliefs and programming? Yeah, I have two kind of levers that you can pull, I guess, that are more kind of uh, mindset switches. Mm -hmm. And so one of them is adopting a growth mindset instead of a fixed mindset. So I don't know where we get this, but a lot of people think like, this is just who I am. (laughs) And that's not true. Like the only thing that exists is change. And so it's an illusion that you quote are who you are. And I don't know what the stats are, but it's something like, I don't, I don't know, I'm going to get this wrong, but I think 60% or maybe even higher of people never read a book after they graduate high school or college or something like that. And for me, it's like, if you stop learning, then why are you even here? Like, you, you have to keep learning, and you aren't just who you are right now. If you're the same person in 10 years as you are today, to me, that's a problem. And so a lot of people have a fixed mindset. This is just the way it is. This is just who I am. And I think that mindset also holds us back. So if you just switch to the mindset of, I can learn, I can grow, I can learn how to do this thing. I can learn how to use technology if I need to. I can learn how to start a business if I don't know anything about that right now. I'm not just not the kind of person who can do that. I can learn how to do that. And just that little mindset switch can start you going down the right path. And I think it's so, so important. And also to give that gift to other people. Other people are not who you necessarily think they are. They can become something more as well. And I've read that success I've read that successful people have a growth mindset and less successful people tend to have a fixed mindset. This is just the way things are. And one of the, the things that I really love about a retreat that I did with college students a few years ago it's called leadership, and they have a really great saying, and that's to adopt a healthy disregard for the impossible. So you definitely can't jump off a cliff and fight gravity and survive, okay? But if you have a healthy disregard for the impossible, that pushes you kind of to the, ne- the next level, and I think that's part of having a growth mindset as well. And then the second mindset shift that was really powerful for me is... There's a TED talk about this, and I don't remember the guy who gave the talk's name, but he basically said, don't let your loved ones be your jailers. Don't Mm. let the people who you care about be your jailers. So many people hold themselves back and basically blame the people around them. Like, I would be happy except for my husband. Or I would be happy if my wife wasn't here. I would be happy if my dad didn't do this. I would be happy if my brother didn't do this. And they use the people that they supposedly love and who supposedly love them to hold themselves back in life. And I just think if someone actually really loves you, 
they want you to be happy and they want you to do what you really want to do in your life. And if you're using them as an excuse to not live the way that you want to, I don't think that that's very loving towards them either. And so I think that's a really huge and powerful shift that I've made is not making the people you care about most your jailers. That's that's uh, amazing. And just to recap uh, for our audience, I think the two points uh, are basically to have adopt a growth mindset and secondly, not letting your family members and uh, your close inner circle uh, jail you from achieving your dreams. So that is amazing. Uh, now, one other question I have for you before we jump into our fun section, and that is... <laughs> Uh, consider this, Jim, that we have a time machine and this is a hypothetical situation. And if you could go back in time and talk to your young self, let's say your 20-year self, what advice would you give him? I would say, you know what? You are good enough exactly as you are right now. No achievements will make you feel happy or fulfilled or they won't make you feel good about yourself. And then I would tell him to focus on what moves you, not what you think the world thinks you should do. Claim your power and use it for good. That's what I would tell him. That's so great. Awesome. Uh, with that, Jim, we're going to move on to our next section. Again, this is the rapid fire round. I'm going to ask you a bunch <laughs> of fun questions. And, uh, cool. you know, what's the first thing that comes to mind? And, uh, you know, of course, you can elaborate on it if you choose to. But again, this is a rapid fire round. So, Jim, are you ready? Yes, sir. All right. So the first question I have for you is what rock star has impressed you? Sibu uh, Simonian from the Capital Cities, because he has stayed true to kind of his own musical vision and also... Um, he does really cool projects. Like he just released a song with a really popular Armenian singer and he's an Armenian American. And so not only has he stayed true to his own vision as he's getting popular, he's also doing real, really cool stuff to basically promote, uh, his culture and to connect with that. And so I think that's really cool. Awesome. The second question is if you could be successful in another profession, which would you choose? <laughs> There's three that come to mind right away. I would love to be a professional golfer, and I'm very far away from that, but that would be great. Uh, also, when I was little, I, I always wanted to be in the National Football League, and so being an NFL star would be cool. And then recently, I, I really love uh, storytelling, and I would really love to get into film, and not just making movies, but also documentaries. So definitely a film career would be great, too. That's awesome. Yeah, I've got similar interest to you as far as the films and media is concerned, but that's a conversation for another day. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, So the next question uh, for you is, Jim, if God exists, can she be trusted? I think there are certain laws of nature that we can trust, like gravity, for example. And those, those are things that we can't break. We can make ways of dealing with it, but those things are always going to be true, at least in our current setup. And so I think those are things that we can definitely trust. Great. And then uh, the next question is, what is the single most valuable thing you've learned in life? 
judgment is always about us. It's never about the other person or the other people. Whenever you're feeling judgmental, that's just a reflection of some kind of internal feeling of lack of self-worth or a judgment on yourself. And we don't necessarily realize that consciously, but in my experience, there is no one in the world who really genuinely values and loves themselves that is judgmental towards other people. Awesome. And then the next question is, what color describes you best? Uh, I have to say maybe blue just because it's my favorite color. And I think it represents a lot of cool things like the ocean and exploration and travel and freedom. And those are all things that I value as well. Cool. And one final question in the rapid fire round. And that is if you could have any message of your choice on a billboard, what would that be? <laughs> Please stop texting while you're driving. <laughs> no, that's a great <laughs> message. I think we certainly want to remind people of that. Uh, and now moving on to our final section, it's, uh, it's the wrap up section. So uh, my first question to you, Jim, is what is your current uh, personal or business project that you're working on and what are you looking forward to in the next six months? That's a great question. So for a long time, I've had the mission of helping 100,000 people live their ideal life. And, you know, just a couple of months ago, my mind is one that's motivated by really big goals. And so I just decided to kind of step it up a little bit. And actually, what's really crazy is by making an even bigger vision and an even bigger goal, I've actually made more progress towards that than the smaller ones. So now my current mission is to help 1 million people in some way by September of 2017. So this year, uh, I want to help 1 million people in some way. And putting a deadline on your dreams is really powerful as well because it really motivates you to figure out how to do it. And right now with my current metrics that I'm using to measure this, I'm at about 230,000 people out of a million. So I'm making progress, but not there yet. No, that's so great. I like that. I'm already inspired by just listening to your vision there. Uh, <laughs> the next question I have for you is, uh, what are three things you're grateful for in life today? Number one, I'm doing something that I feel is meaningful to me. I'm really grateful for that. Number two, I'm starting to see the impact that I'm making in the world in a real way. And that's my favorite thing when a client writes an email and makes a video for me saying that I've impacted his real life or her real life. Uh, that's amazing and I'm so, so grateful to have that opportunity. And then the last thing that I'm grateful for is that I have enough and I've always had enough. I've always had enough food, I've always had enough water, I've always had shelter and clothing. And not everyone can say that, Cal. And so I feel extremely fortunate for that as well. No, that's uh, really beautiful. Uh, and uh, my question to you is, uh, is there anything else that, uh, that you would like to share with the audience that I may not have asked? And how can people reach you? Mm, let's see. Can you give me one second here? Sorry. Sure, yeah. I think I got one more little nugget. And then you asked about where people can reach me as well? Mm-hmm. Okay. Ah, 
Okay. So, okay. So thanks for that question, Cal. And one of the other things that's been so powerful for me that I just want to share it with you today is one of the biggest factors in not only success, but also feeling good about yourself and feeling fulfilled is switching to an other focus instead of just focusing on yourself. So anything that you're doing, whether it's giving a presentation, making a business pitch, selling, being in a relationship, dating, etc., anything that involves other people, you can have one of two mindsets. You can either be trying to get something from them and focusing on what's good for you and being kind of selfish, even though you're not conscious of it necessarily, or you can come from the mindset of offering something, of giving freely. And when you give freely, that's when you have the power, that's when you feel good about what you're doing, and that's when you have a higher chance of success. And just approaching that situation from that mindset is gonna make you a lot more likely to succeed. So if you go into a job interview, and instead of thinking like, oh, let's show them how awesome I am, instead of that, if you think about what does this organization need right now? Uh, what can I bring to them? And focusing on what they want, you're going to be more likely to get hired. The same thing goes if you're trying to sell something or if you're trying to date someone. And so I think a lot of times we try to get stuff instead of just giving freely and offering something and then reaping those returns. And I think that's so powerful. And one of the things that we do when we try to get something is we create what's called a covert contract. And a covert contract is where we do something for someone and we expect some kind of result or something in return and the other person isn't necessarily aware of that. And that's called a covert contract and that makes you feel powerless, it makes you feel negative, it doesn't make you feel good about yourself and you're basically just waiting for that person to respond and they may not even know that they should or that you want them to. And so that's a really kind of low power way to live and it doesn't lead to a lot of success or good feelings. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck because they want something and their approach is from a trying to get mentality. What I recommend is being more like the company Red Bull. Does Red Bull try to convince you to buy their stuff? No, they run around the world with really good attitudes and give it to you for free. And if you like it, you eventually buy more. And that's how I recommend that you approach speaking and selling and dating, etc. What is it that you can offer people that's small, that's a little sample of yourself maybe, and then if they like it, they're going to respond positively to that. Because a true gift is only one that's given freely with no expectation of return. And the other person only feels like it's a real gift if that's the case. And interestingly, when someone feels like you have genuinely given them something with no expectation of return, that's when they want to do something back for you. And that's actually when you get everything that you want. So I think that's a huge thing. And if you want more information like that, you can find me over at jamesdwolf.com. That's jamesdwolf with an E.com. <clears throat> or you can check out my Amazon author page. It's just amazon.com slash author slash Jim Wolf. That is uh, beautiful and uh, nicely stated. And I think uh, it's one of the really uh, awesome uh, insights uh, of high value for our audience here. And with that, I would like to acknowledge you, Jim, uh, for a couple of things. 
you know, one of the things that I've um, always noticed about you every time we've had a conversation or, uh, you know, your, through your blog posts or, or through your emails is that you offer tremendous value. You are a giver. Uh, and, oh, thank you. Uh, and every time that I've talked to you or, you know, listened to your podcast or uh, heard you on the online uh, videos, I mean, there's so much of value that you give to the world. And, and you're living a life that is so inspiring that people can actually relate to the fact that you stepped outside of your comfort zone uh, when things were going great, but you weren't satisfied with that. You wanted to really make a difference out there in the community. So uh, taking the risk uh, for the benefit of humanity so you could serve them even better, I mean, it's so inspiring. And uh, so again, thank you for doing what you're doing. Uh, you know, we need more men like you out there making a difference in the world and I'm always inspired by uh, you know everything that you're doing so thank you thank you so much for saying that Cal and the biggest compliment that I can get is calling me a, a giver so I really really appreciate uh, what you just said thank you it's my pleasure and then uh, one final question and this is how we uh, wrap up our interview is why do you think people should listen to wisdom of friends so this is a really important point a long time ago before i went on my personal growth journey i used to listen to the news every morning as i was getting ready for work and the news is biased towards the negative because people pay attention to negative things and they have to get people to pay attention so that creates a really negative feeling inside you if you start your day with the news and then I started listening to sports talk in the morning. And that's a little bit lighter, it's a little bit more fun, so that was a little better than, than the news. And then what really changed my life is instead of that, every morning I started listening to a personal development podcast episode in the morning or something related to that. And that really, really started changing my life. And I think that the Wisdom of Friends podcast is a really great example of one of those podcasts that can change your life. And the best part is that Cal is a great host and he's coming from the right place. That's so important. And that's exactly what you need in your life. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that, Jim. And again, uh, I valued our conversation and our uh, time that we uh, talked we spent together on this call and again, appreciate all your candid answers. So with that, for those of us who are listening, we'll wrap it up. And uh, if you liked what you heard, please share. Don't be shy. And we would really appreciate it uh, if you could give us a five-star rating. So that way we can reach, take our message to the bigger audience. Once again, thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom of Friends show with Cal Aras. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, theglobalcontribution.com. To your friends and colleagues, be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous episodes. This has been a Seven Symphonies production. Join us next time for another edition of the Wisdom of Friends.